Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon here with host Eric Trexler on a special Wednesday recording day. How you doing, Eric? It's Wednesday. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, I think. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize it was Wednesday. <laughs> I, I right. have so many questions that are unanswered right now that I purposely didn't Google about our, our guest today. I'm I can't so wait. excited. I can't wait either. I'll say, let me get right to it. So today we are so excited to have Lance James. He's the CEO of Unit 221B. Uh, and there's a company that performs investigations and counterintelligence operations for both the public and private sector. This is going to be an amazing conversation, everybody. So Take a seat and let's get to the point. I'm going to proclaim Lance a genius right now, but I got to tell you, Rachel, I have no idea what 221B is. At all. At all. It's it's like, Lance, uh, what was that show with Jack A? Was, um, <laughs> Jack a. I yeah, I remember it was uh, 227 or something like that. There was some. I have uh, no idea, but let's just ask Lance. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Lance. Straight to the source. <laughs> Do you guys know the address of Sherlock Holmes? No. UK something. 221B Baker Street. Ah. So I'm going to tell you a funny story of how actually the company name came. I was at Deloitte. Uh, I was working there as head of cyber intelligence and I was leaving the company and they had given me, um, you know, a severance package that was going to go on for a couple of years. So I was like, I needed to have a company, right, to put it in and stuff like that, you know. Um, and uh, I was at RSA conference, at the RSA conference um, and over a few, you know, uh, drinks, this is years ago, but uh, I don't drink anymore, but like the years ago, uh, the um, my buddy who I'd worked with on some Secret Squirrel stuff back in 05, 06 and stuff, and he was from the UK, um, he was like, you have to name it something that's subtle, but Sherlock Holmes, because that's what you do. That is what you are for us. And he was a, a equivalent of an inspector or like, basically he was a cop, but he was right. a federal cop, right? But he compared um, you to Sherlock Holmes. Right. He's like, you're a cyber, cyber Sherlock Holmes. Nice. Um, and he's like, you have to do it subtle, though. It can't be like too obvious. And I said, I've got it. Like, and it, like we were hanging out for a while. A couple hours later, it just popped. And I'm like, I got it. Unit, as in both the apartment unit and a team of people. Right. 221B. And I joked around because I also was like, um, also, it will probably get banned by most uh, uh, blacklisted DNS because it looks like a Chinese domain because they always have numbers in their domains for phishing attacks or other, other things, right? I was actually right. There was a major company that actually like, people couldn't get to our website for a little bit. Um, wow. But so it ended up becoming Unit 221B. Um, and a little bit about the company. It is a collective. So my... So I've had a, a good history of running a few companies or taking companies to to um, acquisition, right? Mm -hmm. Vigilant got acquired um, by Deloitte. Uh, I was at Flashpoint last uh, couple years, you know, now it's a couple years ago. Jeez, time's kind of flown, but it's not. It goes fast. Um, you have to you have to savor every day. Right. So I'm either the guy that's like you call it that you wants to come in as an executive and get your company acquired or I'm the guy who starts a company and goes for that. You know, but my, the companies I've always owned, I've always wanted it to be organic. I don't really care about acquisition. Um, but what it is, is that over the years that I've worked, it's it's basically all the best top people I've ever met and worked with and get along with that are like now probably even considered a level of family. Right. right? Both in business, uh, in 
cryptography and law and everything. We've got like like Mark Roche over there, who's uh, he was the guy who actually came up with the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. He wrote it. Wow. Uh, he he prosecuted Kevin Mitnick, Kevin Polson, uh, Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning. I don't know if yeah. you're supposed to say it in the past or I don't know how. That I think goes, he but. covered both, so you're good. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, he's done like some big cases. So we have like the cyber legal side, you know, covered. We have Allison wow. Nixon, who's just a fun. I found her at Black Hat and accidentally pushed her in front of her boss back in the day. <laughs> um, but uh, she is probably the best hacker hunter on the on the planet. She the Twitter hack that recently came out. She uh, she was on Hulu, actually, on New York Times presents, uh, you know, about tracking the dude down. He's now sitting in a prison and in, uh, in sentenced to two point five years. So she's good at attribution. Um, we've got just. Uh, you know, people that are great at cryptography, like uh, just just the best people I've ever like met, both at with heart and and with their their tech, uh, technical That's skills. Wonderful. Um, and heart actually comes first in our in our culture. Uh, so, and then we also have a secret school going on where I have like people that have been wanting to switch it because of COVID. Maybe they had an event business or they have this and that. Mm-hmm. So we we also have like every Tuesdays and Thursdays, I run a school of people across the world right now of training them in pen testing or forensics or uh, data science or Python or things like that. Um, We often talk about that on the show. There's so many people out there, artists, musicians, not to say they're different, you know, waiters, (laughs) you name it, people who aren't in tech. Right. That could transfer over. You're actually doing it. Yeah, so I get one guy I met on Poker Stars, like not the gambling version, but there's a VR. Like when COVID came around, I'm like, let's get VR, you know, equipment because we're going to be sitting in our, you know. And so I like poker, you know, I like the game of it. I like uh, that game. And he was like the best player there and uh, really good person, like, Mm -hmm. you know, really good guy uh, from the UK. Um, And uh, he he was actually, I decided to write a poker HUD like for the VR game so that we could do statistics. He was so good at that. So I bugged him about all like the statistics I would need in a poker HUD. And then I'm like, you should get into coding and like, you know, things like that. So I've been, you know, working with him, uh, wow. you know, I, I hear from these people mostly daily, but like there's a signal group we have and everything like that. So they're working on right now pen testing this week um, and learning actually documentation of pen testing and how to organize it, not just the technical things like that. Uh, and the idea is that the, the, the biggest problem with it also is, is that people go and say, oh, you've done a boot camp, but we can't hire you. You need a year of experience, right? right? Or, oh, you've done this. Well, they get to have the Unit 221B name on it for a year plus. So that goes on their resume. So it gives them the experience. If we get clients that are on and they're ready, we put them on the bench and and they work with us and so they get paid, right? But they get free learning the whole time, which still goes under the Unit 221B logo. Um, And it helps a lot because it opens that door of that, oh, I've got a year as an intern or a year uh, over at this uh, company. Because a lot of the times that you get just kicked out even if you have a degree, right? right? You know, like you don't, you have to have that experience. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to get that experience? So I try to provide, exactly. this is more of a voluntary thing, but it benefits both sides, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, so, um, and you know, I've had people from just, uh, literally one of the guys is like, was our, when my wife and I were for first dating was our waiter. That was, was so awesome that we became friends with him. That's uh, fantastic. You know, and so uh, <laughs> he's doing cybersecurity, working on his degree and also awesome. taking you know courses here. So like, we're just looking at situations where it's like, all right, I've been in this situation or COVID like screwed my business or I'm this way. And so I just wanted to look at ways that we can um, make it fun, uh, but also like, you know, not have people stressed. I mean, some of these people have children and things like that. And, you know, we w- we wanted to kind of like give them a path forward, no matter yes. what your age is, no matter where, where what your walk of life is. Uh, so that you can, you know, do something that you love. And it turns out all of them love doing this. So it, so it wasn't like, uh, oh, I actually think this is boring or anything. No, they actually love doing it. Um, and it. And it works out. So that's that's 
on the other side of it, uh, obviously the business side of 221B, we uh, um, do investigations. Um, we do some ransomware cracking. We cracked a major ransomware last year and helped a lot of uh, medium to small businesses and stuff like that with recovery. Um, you know, so we do kind of specialized work, right? right? right. Uh, we, we Not to brag, but I always think it's like, we're the people that call when you can't solve, the, everybody else can't solve that problem. Because yeah. like I said, these are the best people I've met. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just phenomenal at what they do. So it's not like really a bragging thing. It's more like about them that they're just nice. so good. Like if it can't be solved, then nobody's going to solve it. But if it can, I think the people on board, one of them will figure it out. So nice. You know. So I, I want to go back. One of the things that you're you're uh, famous for, I guess, is the identification of Zeus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like going way back, right? Six, what, what was that? 2006? Wow. Yeah, 2007. Wow. Okay, it was close. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So talk uh, about a hard problem, but something that you actually yeah. did crack. Yeah, that was my first company. Uh, we did that similar model, just uh, I was younger and more immature. But um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> actually, the you, guy, you identified Zeus. <laughs> yeah, the guy who helped me actually with the reversing and stuff was came from sysadmin and never reversed before. And he just turned out to be super awesome at it. So that was freaking cool. Like, um, yeah, we identified Zeus. Uh, actually, ironically, if you fast forward to CryptoLocker, we helped take down the peer-to-peer Zeus that took down CryptoLocker, right? The infrastructure oh, wow. there. Okay, okay. Zeus has been going on for a long time, some variants and things like that. It's I think still we out hear there, less, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, less of it, it now. It is, but, but it's like less of it now, but it's like it, yeah. it came, it kept going from 06 to like at least it had at least, I'd say, a 10-year run easily. Wow. And didn't it go mobile? Uh, I, I, I want to say I, it, it made it to like the the uh, Android platform. and I think the payloads did. I don't know if the actual like introduction. Okay. Like the actual yeah. malware did, but I think like, you know, uh, I've heard of some things, but I can't confirm that because I'm not sure about that. Right. I, I, mobile's not my area that I, I yeah. know enough about. Like, um, but uh, yeah, Zeus was, uh, that was back then, It was, you know, what was crazy about it was finding how much data they had, right? Wow. So even before that, before people really knew about like info stealers and all the stuff, in 0203, we were finding like something called Burview back in the Russians had, and they had mm-hmm. owned everything, government yeah. sites, everything, but no one knew about it. But we had found out and we partnered with uh, the ISPs to say, I'll do, and we said, I'll do your forensics on that hard drive. You got something on there for free. You give me that hard drive. <laughs> so, you know, so you got the we'll intelligence you out of it. Yeah. Right. And so yeah, it yeah. actually, it, it was one of the first attempts to bridge, um, you know, uh, industry together where it's not like. You know, I know we have our privacy laws and all this stuff, yeah. but we, right. we put ourselves under NDAs and all this stuff. And it was more like an extension of security work. Right. Nice. But yes. it, it bridged out. It's how I got into like understanding phishing and malware very quickly is that we got access to their base camps, like their the places where they actually use stuff and were hiding and like doing their tools and stuff. So oh, you got wow. kind of a really good idea of what's going on uh, in the early days. Right. And that advantage of not just being technical, but more of communicating out, reaching out to people. Doing all that stuff is actually uh, was is more work, and yeah. more of the effect there. I mean, you can be technical all day, but if you can't reach out and get get that information, and it's one of the reasons why I've I've, I've like you know took a business law class and a few other law classes on purpose so that I could understand privacy and like yes. things like that. So, you know, I could work with. Uh, how do we do this in a cooperative manner without, right. you know, uh, you know, infringing on anybody's rights? You know, so it's all that balance. Wow, so. and that's twenty years ago now, almost. Oh my God, wow. you're dating me. Wow. I don't mean to, but I mean, if, if you're talking about how much information the Russians had 20 years ago, yeah. I mean, think about connectivity yeah. now. Think about yeah. the mm-hmm. the attack surface now, yeah. Yeah. how much they yeah. have and how easy this game is for well, the adversary. It, 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 there's an analogy. I think one of our guys uses, so I'm borrowing it. 
is that it's kind of like we're in the times when, with all the breaches especially, right? We're in the time when people had castles and they had arrows and they were fighting their wars. But then suddenly gunpowder and guns get invented. Right. And you've got cannons and all these things taking down these castles, right? So the enemy or the adversaries become very uh, armed and we're staying still, right? So it's a a big challenge um, to catch up because that time in history was probably... (laughs) Pretty, uh, pretty upsetting for at least 100 years, too, to, like, adjust and, and, and do that. I mean, the, the, I think the uh, Edo period in Japan where there was samurai and then there was, you know, guns suddenly introduced. Yeah, uh, samurai you know, didn't do A lot well. of them wanted to stay in tradition yes, and did yes, not want to go to, yes. to, to gun weapons. And it took a long time, but then they were losing battles. So they kind of were forced to, to, to move in that direction. So it's exactly. the same thing here is that our payloads and everything that's happening now, we're the castles and you've got, you know, dynamic attacks coming at us, different right. You know, remember in the first days of phishing, we thought it was just going to mainly be like, you know, attacking the user at home, but they're mm-hmm. doing both now and it's just complicated. And, you know, they call it advanced persistent threat. It's really right. an organized persistent threat. And that advanced part or the organized part is really like sometimes nine works of uh, nine months of studying and planning and stuff like that, yeah. because these advanced persistent threats are usually military grade or, or things like that. So they treat it more like they've combined their operations of security and and military operations together, you know. It's, well, you look at like Sunburst and the planning that went into that, and mm-hmm. it, and it's really right. illustrative of how the adversary thinks. Yep. I think we did a podcast. I did a talk. I don't know if we did a podcast on on the the lead up to it. Actually, actually, we did. We did. Marco Figueroa from Sentinel yeah. One was on talking nice. about the adversarial <laughs> mindset leading into yep. the actual attack. But it, it's interesting. I was I was reading Malcolm Gladwell's new book, uh, The Bomber Mafia. Oh, that's a new one. I got to write Sunday. that down. It's quick read. I read, so it, in, I read it in less than a day. I, I, His I love books are always a quick read. They're great though. <laughs> oh my God, it's great. I love the way he thinks, but it's all yeah. about these, these 12 guys who in the 30s figure out how to change war going forward. And, and the idea is if you can drop a bomb from 30,000 feet into a pickle barrel, all of a sudden you can save lives, right? You don't have people right. dying in trenches, trench warfare and everything else. It didn't work out because the technology didn't keep up. Right. But as I read it, and like I said, I love Gladwell, I kept putting it in the context of cyber. Cyber mm-hmm. is almost like the aircraft of our day. Yep. Well, it's or, called or, fourth generation warfare. But if you read, uh, I can't remember his first name. Oh, Thomas Hams. So okay. Thomas Hams wrote a whole uh, a whole. I think books and other things about this, but it's it's uh, essentially he invented the term that uh, he wrote the first paper on what's called fourth generation warfare, right? So we're in the fifth domain. Cyber is the fifth domain: land, air, sea, space, cyber, right? right. Um, but Thomas Hams, I think he was a colonel in the army or in the military somewhere, and he did his paper on asymmetrical, what we call asymmetrical right. here, but really there's even more to it, where insurgencies are more likely to win, not the big military. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's what we're dealing with now is that the movement of insurgency, whether it's online, whether it's not, is, 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 has a higher chance of winning because of the dynamic and dynamics and agility to attack movements, guerrilla warfare, things yeah. like that. Cyber, it doesn't really, it's not that much different, right? It's, you know, when you see the Syrian electronic army back in the day or this and that, they're all just insurgencies, right? Anonymous, QAnon, all these yeah. things are just forms of insurgencies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, and the power they have is information, right? right? You know, or misinformation. So, yeah. Right. It's, it's almost a new weapon, just like the aircraft was yep. in the early yep. part of the 20th century. 
Yep. And and that's yeah. what my mind kept going to when I read the book. It, it was great. And like I said, it's a short read. I think I read yeah, I'm it gonna, I'm gonna grab it. <laughs> four hours or so. It's, it started as an audio book. He's got a bunch of podcasts, but it did make you think about cyber. And uh, I'm gonna keep monopolizing the podcast unless you step in here, Rachel. So Lance, <laughs> you were on Mr. Robot also. Yes, yes. this is so we had cool. Andre McGregor on show. episode nine. I looked it up before the show, who was a tech advisor uh, to Mr. Robot, but you were on the show and, 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 uh, cameo, I guess, in a, in an episode of your own. It, well, it was a, a, a show a episode focused on what hackers think of the show. So, um, it, it had, I think, uh, the, um, what's his name? Um, Mudge, you know, from, huh. from the old days. We uh, were, uh, yeah. I, I, we were working on getting him on the show. Also, we, we did the, uh, yeah. Off he's at Twitter now, isn't he? Is he at Twitter? I can't remember where he's at. He's at uh, boy, that's a great question. I don't so, um, know. But yeah, I did Mudge, a few other folks, and it's just really kind of like was a, it was like a, it, technically if you go to Amazon, I think it's at the season one end last episode, but it's like a mm -hmm. promo really of about the show for the season, you know, push for the season two and then get people in the season one. Um, met the writers at CES at the speakers uh, dinner and stuff. And we were talking about ideas about like, you should get hackers talking about what they think about the show. Yes. Yeah. I covered a lot on psychology and the character himself, like about the abandonment issues uh, with his father, things like that, mm -hmm. that play very highly into the issues with hackers. Like my, I had a therapist tell me once, he goes, you're not in, we're in security because we're insecure. <laughs> right. And so it, it, it really, it was one of the best sayings. I was like, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta love psychologists, but like, um, and it really does play into some of the, 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 the way the character was, how he had his, with his abandonment issues. And there's a sense when you're abandoned or feeling abandoned, that's a sense of power that runs yep. into you that hackers, youth hackers, like we do a lot of work also with the, um, and this plays into it, but like we do a lot of work with the FBI's, like, uh, they have like kids that get in trouble and they'll come work with us. Uh, that aren't, you know, too off the, off the, off the reservation or anything like that. And they're really talented. They just yeah. wrong crowd, wrong this and that. They, you know, and we do one-on-ones with them as well. It's not just like work, but like actually one-on-ones, how to like get through your life now that you've got like this against you, but like, you know, how to keep moving forward, things yes. like that. We break down like, you know, where they want to go, things like that. And it's the same with this character where it's like, he's around, he's around a crowd. He's got a lot of skill. He's seeking, you know, a sense of power in, in himself mm -hmm. in, in a wrong way. Right. But and he's got a, an ideology or a strong belief about yes. uh, certain things. I mean, obviously, it represents very much the anonymous type manifesto type belief system. Right or wrong. Uh, his actions are illegal, but like right or wrong, like that it's a belief system. And those axiom beliefs tend to drive a lot of people, as we've even seen today in our climate. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it was a it was a fun experience. Um, uh, I got to hear, like, actually my makeup person was telling me about a few different actors they really liked. And, um, I'm trying to remember the one, uh, what's his name? He was in, uh, um, what's that one where the frogs start raining down? Uh, oh, I think Tom right. Cruise is in it. Oh, Magnolia. And, yes, Magnolia. The guy that died from, uh, I think, uh, a drug overdose. Uh, what's his name? But, uh, he also played, I think, um. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yes. So she was telling Rachel me about on a roll. Yeah, I, I feel, you know what? I should just change this to a quiz show. No, <laughs> we can do that. Uh, it's our podcast. We'll do whatever we want. So she, she was telling me that that guy was so intense as an actor that there was a, there was a movie he was doing where he's learning the violin and he literally spent a year learning the violin. Right. Wow. You know, like, wow. like, uh, and I, it's actually a thing for me. I'm a violinist and I get upset when people are playing violin in the movies and they're not moving their fingers and they're not on the right yes. string. And I'm like, they're not even, it's like, at they're least just snapshot a real well. violinist or yeah, something yeah, yeah. and do, you know, <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman was a very interesting. Uh, he said really nice, but like a very intense actor yeah, in the I sense bet. of like uh, it, 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 it's similar work. to like Heath Ledger, right? They put the, yeah. themselves into the role, you know. So yeah. But I yeah. love this idea of psychology, though, right? I mean, because right. it's it's so well featured throughout every aspect of cyber today, right? P S Y B E R as in P S Y cyber as in psychology. <laughs> <and cyber>. <laughs> <laughs> we can go there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's apt, apt, yeah, because, I mean, especially in, in Eric, you've written a lot about on this, you know, disinformation, right? And and just, you know, the manipulation of how people think and, and to get them to act in a certain way and just the power of that is really, really fascinating. And, and how do you combat that uh, in a meaningful way, right? I mean, right. it's 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 everywhere. And, and, you know, you don't really have control over the social media channels and, you know, how do you curb free speech and, and all the other hmm. things that go into that? I mean, where would you even start to address a problem like that, Lance? Venn diagram, right? Give me a moment to recover. I think I, have, I think I have eight whiteboards in this house. You can see one of them in the back in the kitchen right yeah. there. Um, and a few of them do have Venn diagrams on it. Um, so in the last, in this at least, let's just say, the last 10, 15 years, or like 20, actually, you know, ever since, since you know, Zeus. The stuff I was, since Zeus and before, right? Uh, there's a, you know, there's security, cybersecurity, right? Like yep. a traditional cybersecurity, right? There's now the intelligence community stuff that's been going on for years. Right. But, you know, that, that door is open where there's a bridge between the cybersecurity community, you know, hacker types, and then the intel community, you know, like we yes. talked about like the FBI helping on stuff and things like that, but it's all bridged together now. Right. And then there's a third piece is also data science is mm -hmm. starting to come into play. Now, what's ironic is, is that all the social media stuff, we're seeing data science go the wrong way sometimes. Right. right? What do you mean by that? Uh, it's, it's creating echo chambers by accident. Now, there's a really funny joke here. If your mom, you, your mom, uh, you know, some, some mom is talking to their kids saying, if your friends jumped off of, uh, you know, uh, of, a, of a bridge, would you? And the kid would say, no. If you ask the ML, it would say yes. <laughs> right. So the machine learning. Right. So if you ask a machine, the AI it would actually say yes, because it it looks for trends and goes and towards the trend. Yeah, yeah. Right? right. The pattern. Right. Um, and so the challenge with it, right, it's even in your news feeds. Um, it, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have noticed, but it's more stressful to read the nudes in the last two years. Yeah, not just because of the people, but because of how it works. It it it, it kind of knows that you're reading that, and then reading it more and reading it more, and then the mm -hmm. data science goes back. Like Google's stuff, their Google's news, I can look up something once, yes. and it starts thinking that I care about I, that. I, all I was day. going to say, yes, I yes. feel like news is becoming less unique, right? Because oh, as yeah. I, yeah, I'm an Apple News user and, and, yep. and, and you, the browser will bring up the same stuff. Yep. yep. I have to, I have to really seek out interesting mm -hmm. articles or something that's outside of what I've typically looked at because it just starts funneling me down this path. Mm -hmm. And I find after a while, I don't know if you guys are the same way, but like I'm reading the same stuff over and over yep. again, the same style, yep. the same authors. And it's, that's the I'm data not, science. I'm not expanding my horizons. I'm, right. I'm getting right. like silent. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I, right. I've got these blinders on almost. I hate it. Well, mm -hmm. well, the beautiful part about that intersection we're talking about, especially data science and psychology and security and even news and information, right? Is data science, like our brains are kind of like a Bayesian network and a Bayesian network uh, it was invented by basically Thomas Bayes in the 1600s mm -hmm. is a statistical model system that like weights uh, certain things. So like we see uh, most of our anti-spam stuff, it weights certain f features like, oh, there's a weird hash thing here, or it says Viagra in the weird spelling. Right. Or, or there are numbers this this in the URL, so we're not going to let that go through or whatever. Right. And so it, it classifies, it makes a weighted balance and says, okay, if it hits this threshold, then yep. this, right? Our brains are similar, 
right? You get it to go on certain path. It'll start putting weights on that path and move, 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 move. Now, the, mm -hmm. what's happening, though, is data science is similar to, to psychology in a basic way. Our brain will neuroplastically adjust to it does calibrate like okay we've been in covid for a year first mm -hmm. six months we probably all had panic attacks now we're starting to go i don't even know if i want to go outside yet you know what i mean <laughs> right so the brain goes into uh, 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 an adjustment so yeah. does data science it's called cross transformation where it can get too much or it's it's basically you're overfitting you're skewing the modeling almost yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah and you keep training it and that's the thing these are supervised trained models by us right we're the ones by reading mm -hmm. it it tells it that it cares about us right and, and that this is our information Right. So what's happening, though, is it's overfitting the model. Our brain's dopamine is responding to that overfit as well. So it's weird, like the feedback loop. It's like a cycle, a, a complimentary right. cycle almost. Mm -hmm. It's a complimentary cycle, but it also hurts us because obviously we only have so much dopamine. Then right. we become stressed then we become this and that. Right. So this in a weird way, and it's an accidental yet maybe I don't want to blame any corporations and say it is not. Oh, accidental, not? But it's, it's, it. it's just it's. It's feeding an echo chamber, right? right? It's what's, it does play into the, some of the polarization besides just the politics, but just polarization of our beliefs and tribalism that's been going on mm -hmm. uh, uh, along with the fear of COVID. That's an existential crisis. And so this information that keeps coming at us is, is hard for our brains to like take yes. on without like, you know, you guys ever take a break from the news? I'm sure you have, you've had Absolutely. to, yes. right? Yep. Yes. Because you're like, okay, I can't do this, right? You know, and then you go back to it and you catch yourself back into it and mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I mean, I get it, right? And, and it's it's all part of this system, but it's, it's the intersection that is, it can be problematic, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the data science can overfit and, and, right. and cause this for our brains. But there's also another way of like, like your, your main question was how do we counter some of these problems, yeah. right? And it is going to be AI versus AI in some ways, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's AI and people versus AI and, you know, like kind yeah. of auto AI. Because, like, it's, I'm not trying to be like, big corp is, like, doing it. It's just, it's just the incidental model of the information era is that we've gone so fast. Moore's Law is spiked up. Yes. And it makes a lot of money, right? So mm -hmm. it's hard to say no to those things. Those are all incentives that produce reward, right? So... Right. Um, so when we look at like misinformation and information today, those three intersections are in interesting, right? So we have mm -hmm. cybersecurity and like the very technical people there, right? right? Some of the cybersecurity people are starting to get their minds around deep uh, learning AI, mm -hmm. things like that, um, and taking interest. Right now, most of the very effective deep AI that I've seen in the vendor space and stuff is mostly IPs, domains, categorization, prioritization, things like that. Things that need to be solved for security. Right. But what about information prioritization? Right, right. Right. So so the challenge you have today, right? The, I mean, Google has something like Perspective API. They check for uh, violence in media and, and, right. and in content. They check for uh, semantic and non-semantic, meaning like neutral, negative, positive, things like mm -hmm. this, right? Now, data sciences are dumb machines, meaning that they, they can do multi-classification, but you really kind of train it to like do one thing at a time and then exactly. you combine another piece together and another piece together and then you go okay I can figure out this that's that weight and it's this and that's that weight and it's this okay let's make okay. a decision once we have enough things and really what data science is really to do is to help you make a decision right mm -hmm. um by by processing the information overload <laughs> right I, I feel like yeah. I my old CTO at McAfee Steve Grobin he was a uh, Intel fellow multiple patents he talked a lot about and thought a lot about human machine teaming and yes. I think, Lance, it's similar to what you're talking about here. You, you don't rely on the machines. You, you rely on them for right. what they're good at. But, right. but question, 
right. understand right. what they're doing. And then, and then you can evolve the models too, once right. you figure that right. out, but let them do the grunt work, but you've right. got to, you know, machine learning algorithms are great until they're not. It's just a bigger calculator, right? right? It's a, <laughs> yeah, know, it's a faster calculator with a, with a yeah. sanity check or some kind of check and balance on the mm-hmm. end. Correct. And, and every, so, every single time, and just like an in intelligence, you know, they have this tradecraft thing and people think they want to push technology into it. You'll never get past more than 50% of a human needing to be still involved. It's just right. never going to hit that curve. You think that's the You're number, gonna, 50%? I think a human has to always validate that. Yes. There's a, that's why I always feel bad when people think AI is going to take people's jobs. I'm like, no, just create AI and be the person that has to validate all that stuff, exactly. right? Okay. For instance, we wrote uh, a while back an anti-terrorist uh, AI model, which would identify jihadist Sunni extremism language, both in Arabic and English, uh, by probability, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, that would say, you know, when this content came in, is this a likely terrorist type threat versus right. also benign things like articles about jihad and all that other stuff, right? And also the Quran is benign and the Bible is benign and you have to feed it. But we had to have analysts sitting at a university that were labeling every yes. single thing. Mm-hmm. You can't just tell AI, go figure this out for me. I mean, there are some things that people say that they do, but I mean, the AI can't exist without the people creating it, right? So. Right. Um, maybe someday we have Skynet. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but like I said, they're kind of dumb, right? Like they're yeah. dumb, but they're smart, right? Because right. they just, they're, they're crunching numbers and they're, it's all based on coefficients and, you know, all this mm-hmm. crazy modeling and stuff, right? Uh, but, but there's, the math is there, right? The mm-hmm. math is explained, right? Um, but, but to counter, you know, the problems that we're seeing, we kind of almost have to go reverse and start looking at like, okay, we have all of this information out. Some of it's now overbiased because it's also being, you know, data science is sending it out as an overbias, right. right? So what do we do to counter all the information out, right? So now we have to have unbiased feeds. We need to have, you know, kind of like all this information, like Apple News will only send you what they think you care about, right? right. So you're not going to, that's not a good way to well, train that's my a problem. model, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, um, and so misinformation today is is, is trouble. Also, the, the motives of media today is very different, right? It's like... Right. When it was paper, it's very, very different. Subscription, you just got your paper, mm-hmm. you read it, this and that. And there was, you know, the the, the, the journalistic integrity was a, 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 a thing, which some people yeah. still really like to have. But unfortunately, right. to get paid, they got to have clicks. So it's all about that headline. Most people don't actually read past, like, probably two paragraphs of the headline. Right. I don't. I, half the time when I do, I find it's like, oh, man, it was an ad. See, oh I God. do. Yes, know, yes, I actually, yes, I actually yes. do. I do if it's the Atlantic, the New Yorker, yeah, like, yeah. you know, the good yeah. the Vanity Fairs. I like those articles, right? Because yeah. yeah. they actually have the journalistic integrity. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times it's like, um, it's almost like briefings. Like there's briefings and then there's, you know, like a good article, right? Yes, yes. Um, And that's why you're seeing so many articles of the same because mo- multiple authors writing it, right? right? It, you were suddenly interested in it. Data science pushes it forward to you uh, and overfitting. I mean, th- there's not someone sitting there trying to, Make sure. I mean, there's a, probably a quality control team, but they're yeah. not. It's it's going to take a while to get that control, quality control in every single time, right? So, so it's missing a balance. But then there's also just the internet, right? I guess it could be a fourth quadrant. The internet has so much information. So I don't know if we're still in the information age, but we're in mm. we're in a pendulum of dealing with the information age, mm-hmm. right? We all are connected. Uh, it's not like in the '80s where if there's an Iran Contra affair, I'm sitting in a you know in a room watching Dan Rather's right. There's no middleman anymore for news information, right? Or a misinformation. 
or misinformation. A blog could be what people consider news. I mean, OAN yes. and all these things, yes. they just start up and suddenly they're accredited news source, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it drives they me don't crazy. have moments, right? But that's kind of how it is. And the speed is so much faster. Yes. Correct, right? So it's like an information worm, right? Like, you know, like when you think about it. So like, like okay, so 2016, we talk about the elections, the Russians, and the intangibleness of, and this is why people don't want to believe it because it's you can't really tangibilize how uh, uh, psyops or tradecrafts or yeah. psychological operations would actually work and how does that actually right. work. Now, the only people that can tangibilize it are the IC people and the people who have actually confirmed that it was these memes well, came from and, Russia and the conspiracy or theorists who dream up all kinds of stuff and know exactly how it works, not to pick yes. on any one group. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure some of those conspiracies uh, theorists come from foreign asset, you know, foreign parties, yeah. right? Or um, even U.S., which, but yes. <laughs> it, well, that's what I th found was funny, politically speaking, was that WikiLeaks used to be a very liberal left libertarian mm -hmm. thing. And then when it benefited a, a, a certain political party, it was suddenly now right. a, 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 the, sh the shifts have gone, right? Because mm -hmm. of the because of the benefits and the incentives. And that's the biggest problem with misinformation is the brain right. is always looking for reward. Right. Right. So when we get something, for instance, the QAnon, let's actually discuss QAnon and what happened here. I'm not going to get into the details of Rachel what people very uncomfortable. She hates political talk. <laughs> let's do it. Oh, no, I, I want to talk more about the how it worked, Perfect. not the actual politics of it, right? Yeah, she'll be less uncomfortable. But let's go, Lance. All right. Yeah, so COVID, you got people sitting around dealing with an existential crisis of, am yes. I going to die? Like, that's that's a psychological yes. crisis that's going on. Um is my family going to be safe? Am I going to be living in my house for what do I more do? than two months? How do I my, what do yeah. I do? Right. And, and, and the, because of the news being all over the place at that time, mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's scary. Right. And, yeah. and it plays into the amygdala acting up a little bit more than the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex is your strategy room. Your amygdala is your fear. Mm -hmm. um, and then things like then you also have boredom. Right. Yes. You're at home with your kids. It's way harder. Yes. Right. Like for yes. a lot of people and they're driving me crazy, which is normal. Right. Like they're supposed yeah. to. Um, <laughs> they're going crazy because they're not getting out. Right. All this stuff. And this is yes. politics aside. This is just the reality that's occurred. Um, but something like QAnon, when it, 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 it people want to feel per they have purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to cultivate something that gives someone feeling a feeling that they're fighting for something or something, especially right. during a fight or flight moment of life, which is yes. what's going on. So if they are going to die, I want to go out like knowing uh, I did something. I believe right? in something, you know, especially when they're searching for that because they don't know that uncertainty, right? right. Correct, right? And so the brain's going to be searching for a, a, a yes. whether it's stable or not, they're going to be searching for something to give them to cling on to so that they can kind of have a, a little, in a, in a metaphorical way, a, a, a blanket. Or yeah, control. Yes, in a control, yes, in a, right? In a control mm -hmm. right? And that's the problem. With anxiety, you're searching for control. I mean, you know, and so... That's how this actually occurs is that what, you're like, how many, so many people are got into this and this and that, whether the information is all this or not, but there's so many believers at a cult-like level, right. right? That you're just wondering how did that occur? Uh, and you have this a complete mix of problem here, which mm -hmm. has nothing to do with computer science. And I don't know if like you could actually solve that because the yeah. middleman's gone, the information's there and no one has really sourced or put together Eight chan's good and this bad and right, this is right, good right, and this is right. bad, right? Like they, right? Like I've never been on eight chan because it just doesn't seem like the type of things I want to even look at, right? Being you know? a news group, it's not a news well, group. Well, eight chan or eight coon or whatever, it's it's a forum, yeah, but it's exactly. some of the worst worst crap on there that you'll probably yeah. ever see, right? Yeah. So like it's uncensored and it completely it, like it, kind it, of Reddit like, but not. 
Yes, you can yeah. see the worst yeah. of everybody in some aspects, and then they get into groups, and then they start talking, and you know things like that. And that's that's the the challenge is like um, with this bag of mix, the COVID, the 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 way that you know everything's been kind of going, the chaos, um, all that stuff. It's 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 an easy thing to get into a faith, whether it's QAnon right. or some yes. other kind of religion, or or your own, you cling closer to your faith or whatever. Anytime you're dealing with death. Yes. At your door. Right. You know, it's it's this is why psychologically this plays. Now, the question is, how do we uh, how does this affect, for instance, I'm going to lead this one. How do it's like how do we deal this now that we're going back into life slowly? Mm -hmm. Insiders at work. QAnon believes they're work, not saying they're all the enemy. Some people are not right. doing illegal stuff. They just might, you know, believe it or whatever. But but things that are concerned, even on the 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 left side, there's a lot of extremism too. There's extremism. Let me be fair and not just yeah. pick on QAnon, yeah. but there's extremism yeah, yeah. on both sides, right? Yes. But now we are, we're finally seeing that, right? We're seeing more weird attacks, whether it's racial or whether it's, you know, insurrection type stuff or just something on a belief or just irrational behavior right now, right? Which is yeah. it's certainly kind increasing. of normal when everybody feels like the world is ending, right? <laughs> you know, so, yes. um, but it's increasing, right? And hopefully, you know, the idea is to calm it down. But what happens is then the, the craziness goes inward and pence up again, right? Yes, so it's yes. it's not like it's not there anymore. It doesn't just right. go away, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's going to pent up, and that's where insider threats uh, and how dealing with information become very difficult. But I, I, this is where we go back to that Venn diagram of like treating it with like data science, mm -hmm. uh, auditing, monitoring, um, protecting need to know or sensitive data in a, in a way that has more than. One to two people, but maybe like I need to look at this document. Okay, you're checking this document out. Yes. I know you have it for six hours. Things like that. That might be the world we have to get to when you think about yeah. that. With that, while still maintaining privacy, right? We're not going to go out and start monitoring everybody's right. uh, Slack and stuff. But you know, Slack has a feature that if you had to call back stuff, you have discovery, mm -hmm. right? Um, no different than the firewall. If you keep the logs on, you're, they're there, right? right. So. Um, and it's such a balance because it's not you can't be minority report about insider threat. Right. right? You can't be like, let's I'm going to precog this and think that they're going to do something. Yeah. Um, but I actually do think the defense isn't as technical as, as we'd like. I think it's more cultural. Agreed. Right. It's, a, it's an adjustment. Um, some companies, I think we saw a company that, you know, decided don't talk politics at work, blah, 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 blah. And then some people left. I think it was a oh, base oh, camp. I base think it camp. was. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. And then some people are adapting to the Black Lives Matter diversity stuff, obviously within reason, not the extreme stuff, but more the the, the middle of the road. Like, how can we better be a, a diversity, mm -hmm. which is a great question to ask whether this is going on or not, you know. Um, yeah. uh, and so, you know, and then maybe companies are going to start have to deal with like what is white uh, white extremism, like the the right wing, like the uh, the I guess because I it's, you know um, the right wing um, supremacy stuff because it's equal problem to deal with. You can't just go oh Black Lives Matter and then not deal figure out what that data looks like, right? Mm -hmm. um, and today's data science can help with that, right? Like right. you know the neat thing about like that is all these areas, whether it's politics or whether it's uh, views or beliefs or just fraud or whatever you're worried about and any kind of information, they all have code words right. with, with their, their yes. language, just like our technology mm -hmm. uh, stuff has a pen test, cybersecurity, right? Like we have code words, right? Mm -hmm. So topic modeling or getting the topics out of those are the easiest part, right? And then it's just looking at like, how do we find motive intent mm -hmm. uh, based on that? So once you have the topic, I'm going to go into a chat channel that's got 
white supremacy, or I'm going to go to a chat right. that has jihadist stuff for this and that. It's then labeling, figuring out that. But it's a lot of work to do, right? right? I mean, even child pornography, right? Like people, you can't, You're if you're a citizen and not part of the government, you can't make a, a, a tool that would do that because you can't look at the stuff and no one would want to, right? Right, right. But can you build technologies that would look at like there's a child in this picture, whether it's benign or not, and then combine it with this is not suitable for work here and, right. you know, that kind of stuff. Like there's there's the potential is there to build technologies to protect mm. your inside information, whether it's whatever belief it is, whatever it is. And that the problem today, though, is with all these beliefs and that they're going to soon kind of close down and get pent up again is Similar to Mr. Robot, right? We had anti-corporation. But what happens mm -hmm. if you have an anti-corporation or you work at like a Procter & Gamble or something and there's some political belief that comes in or there's anti-vaxxing or whatever belief it is that suddenly you work at Pfizer and you mm -hmm. get behind the anti-vaxxing thing, right? What if you get too far with that, right? What, what if it goes too far and things like that and it motivates or plays into like something you might do, sabotage or this or that? I think there was right. a case of uh, a medical person personnel that sabotaged a bunch of vaccines or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this several. is politics yeah. aside on the beliefs of vaccines or not. I'm just, it's just more of like, these right. are going to pose future threats because everybody's going black and white right now because of the fear that's going on. The amygdala is running. Like I got to make one choice or another. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when things calm down though, there's going to be those, you know, few, but percenters that are going to be inside companies that could pose a valid threat, a valid concern. There's been movements to, you know, I think bomb 5G, you know, cell towers and things like that, right? Wow. And so you have you have to deal with external intelligence chats, things like that. So inside companies need to start looking at, um, you know, is, you know, what's the actual information out there? What's that look like? And then there's also like, is there anybody inside that we're uh, right. concerned with or connecting into those things, right? right? A lot of companies now, they do do like DLP or things that will say, uh, alert me if someone went on the dark web from our company, mm -hmm. right? You know, and things like that and what IP address so that yeah. it, it, it does it. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily they get the detail on this app, but there's the, 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 the balance between privacy and this is that there's also in most time waivers, uh, what's called assumption of privacy waiver inside right. of when you work for a company that the, all of the elements are theirs, so anything you do on that within that company is their property and it right. they you know the we concept the collective we concept comes in meaning that mm -hmm. company is responsible for going on the dark web but there are, there are a lot of general counsels who are really uh, against looking at what the person their personnel are doing when they're especially right. with work from home right you're using your corporate mm -hmm. laptop and you go to right. pay your right. your kids medical bill or something the companies don't want right. anything to do with that they don't want to collect anything and i i fully understand that Totally. But then how do you protect the workforce at the same right. time with that work device that may have malware on it that's in the house and your liability? It's it's really tough. I'm, I'm reminded, Rachel, of the conversation we had months ago on disinformation. And mm -hmm. you were asking me to write a little bit about what does a government employer do or employee, you know, how does the government better protect its employees mm -hmm. from misinformation, disinformation? And, and that, that was a, I didn't have a lot of good answers, right? What do you, what do you right. do? without spying training. on them and without telling them what to believe and yeah, tough. A, a transparency and training, right? So, That's so most what do they what say? Disinfectant is, dis disinfectant is the best cleanser for deception, right? Uh, and, and misinformation, whether it's good intent or just 
bad information on the internet, it's a form of deception and it's it's untruths, right? Right. And we wrestle with not only privacy, but freedom of speech and all that stuff, but we wrestle like at the deep corporate level of like what's privacy. But let me let me ask you this. For instance, if we had training and awareness, right, just like we do what we're supposed to have with security breaches and all these other mm-hmm. things, right? We have regular training and awareness um, practice on what is misinformation? How can it get you? Maybe even someone coming in there showing them how exactly it got how many people, almost like fish tests where it's like, oh, it got you, it got you, it got you. And it could be as easy as that. Once people actually go and see that, their prefrontal cortex goes, whoa, because right now they're fighting that, oh, I, that's, I can't be you know, prone to that, right? Yeah. But once mm-hmm. they see that, they can kind of relate and go, whoa, right? Like, yeah. and, and that, you know, that little, I guess, wake up call with the training can be powerful. Um, it, it's, it's similar to when like someone says, okay, fish test or hack into the CEO's thing while mm-hmm. doing the training to prove that it's not that hard to break into the company while you're in the meeting or something, right? Like, you know, the, the special moments that they have where they permit it, but you know, you show that, um, but like, um, the similar to addressing firewalls, IPs and all this stuff, like we don't stare at the logs all day. I mean, some right. SIM systems do and everything like that, but there's no chance in, that everybody's just staring at inoculate, you know, like basically benign information all day, right. right? So data science can still maintain the privacy where you just send it like there was an alert on this at this time. You could even anonymize it for the lawyers, right? right. And say, um, this user on this alert, but like this is the only concern. And it would just say a topic. It doesn't actually have to be right. like a thing. It's something to worth like that. But I doesn't I even have to name the user until they open an yeah. investigation or do something. Right. Agree. Unless they open an but investigation. But I still find and a lot of organizations yeah. are uncomfortable going even there. Mm. But it's weird because technically corporations are liable for that in the long run, right? So they have to think strategically. They don't need to get overboard with it, right? It's a balance. But my experience is general counsel deals with issues when they come up Mm -hmm. and they they deal with risk avoidance until something comes up. And and, and the risk of privacy seems right now to be outweighing the risk of damage. Mm. So that's a discussion that needs to start happening more, almost like a tabletop exercise, right? Like where... Um, almost like business continuity plans in a weird way. It's part of that, right? So it's, it's all falls under your business continuity plan of the tabletop exercise of what to do if, you know, it's, you know, section, subsection insider threat, right? People only look at like, I, I've worked at companies where, yeah, they did not know how to do what the, they, they did not know how to do any legal action against the person that actually did something. And so they just sit right. there and go, well, I guess that just happened. Right. Like, and it's like, you guys would know how to do that if you were prepared at a tabletop right. level. And spend the money on the lawyers in the first part of things, the more expensive part, so that the reaction isn't so costly, right? Because, you know, the, 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 the counter goes higher when the reaction's costly. Yeah, and I, I, just, like, I haven't you know. found that. I mean, I, I've sold email archiving. I've sold, I've sold um, you know, insider risk, insider threat capabilities, Lance. And right. rather than getting ahead of it and rather than spending money, there are a lot of organizations that are just – They'll deal with it when an issue comes up, but until an issue does, they don't want to go preventative in that way. Yeah. In fact, they love getting rid of data because it, it it takes some liability off the table when something happens. It's almost like the credit card companies who build in a certain percentage of their cost in the risk side, like we're going to have stolen credit right. cards, we're going to yep. have fraud and abuse. It's almost mm-hmm. like they think in that way. And I'll tell you, my experience, and I'm, I'm on the government side, right? Um, right. 
the government is the worst. You go into any DOD or intelligence computer, when you log in, the first thing you see splash screen is this is US government property, blah, blah, blah. Right. We have the right, to, right with, we have the right yeah, to, under, yeah. to, to see and observe everything you're doing, blah, blah, blah. You can be prosecuted in accordance with all the laws. Right. They're the worst at willing to actually look at what their people are doing. We've heard of this. There was a whistleblower, Titan Rain, I think was a famous one, Sean Carpenter, where they no one wanted to look at the problem when there was an APT or this and that and all that stuff. Uh, I, I kind of, I don't mean to make fun of the government, but I kind of laugh at that because like a lot of times you you, you go into intelligence thinking you're going to actually do some action and no, most of the time you're just letting it go by, right? Yeah. Like here's some intelligence, there we go, right? Like, um, and it takes us back to what actions are available and things like that. But I think you're, I think we're both, we're all pipe dreaming that like people would think strategically, right? Like there's realism and then there's philosophy <laughs> <Maybe>. here, right? <laughs> right. Cause I mean, we only get pen tests now because there's like SB 1386 and a few other different like yeah, there's, laws there's out there. There's a compliance requirement that tells you to kind of do something so you can check or it off. GDPR lose 5% of right. your, your, uh, your, you know, so if there's not money taken away from you, you don't do there's it. no incentive to do it. I was uh, doing a whole year at GDPR in my previous company and it was only because it was threatening their livelihoods yes. as a company that literally made them respond to it. And it was literally, okay, we get to be strategic. It's a pain in the butt, but we got to be strategic for, yeah. for a whole year. Right. Uh, it's why finance and accounting and stuff like that, they are always like that because there's all these sec laws and all these other laws. That yeah. Come they know exactly what to do them. and how to do it because they're told. Right. They're told to. Right. And so yeah. we don't have that kind of board or body that's really doing it unless it's some Congress thing. And of course that will require some major incident to occur. Um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, so what can we do now? Let's like try to be realistic. Right. So culture, right. I always joke around and say, if you want to fix uh, insider threat, give your employees a hug. Well, obviously, you know, culturally speaking and literally speaking, that's, don't that's really my give boss. them a hug. He's like, we need to hug our employees. It's <laughs> a rough time right now. I literally you had that on my Deloitte like, uh, office. I said, I put free hugs on my, uh, on my Deloitte office and it said one per employee per day. Oh my God, I, I have, love you know, employees. But, uh, I hate hugging. I don't care who it is other than my kids and wife. Again, I it was their hugging. option. Yeah, but I actually had people come in and go, hey, can I get a hug? Oh, I'm like, cool. You know? I get all like, uh, <laughs> HR. Uh, right. All right, handshake. All right, whatever. No, um, my point is, metaphorically speaking, uh, you know, that the challenge is, it's, it's, we go back to both technology and psychology, right? We, we have to find this balance, right? So people expect privacy, mm -hmm. right? They don't want to be monitored all day. That never works right. as a good uh, environment unless you're Bridgewater. <coughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yep. But, um, you know, they're, they're extreme radical transparency yeah. and it might work for some people, but not everybody works there, if you know what I mean. So, um, but it's, I think the balance is culture, transparency, mm -hmm. training, right? Uh, uh, but when I say culture, Addressing the issues that are coming up, people are people, right? So, you know, provide, you know, you've got the base camp situation on one side, but allowing people to have a space where they can talk through that, yes. whether it's outside of work, but like still kind of like a work function or this mm -hmm. and that, um, can um, my Canadian accent just came out. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, allowing them to have that with uh, within limits, you know, things right. like that. Like uh, one of the things, also, like for instance, when I was at my last job, they started including mindfulness mm -hmm. uh, things. They started including uh, as things got more stressful. They, like for instance, the the people that work on jihadist uh, stuff, they would see beheadings all day. So they started providing monthly therapy as right. a perk, uh, right. you know, things like that to discuss what they're seeing. Um, yeah, they do this technically at the FBI if you work in like the illicit images uh, program mm -hmm. as well to kind of make sure you're okay. Uh, I don't know if they do it for the benefit of the employee, but you know the I'm company bringing, I was working at, they're doing it I'm for the benefit. I'm bringing some right? of that in for my people, and they just think I'm wacky. Right. 
sometimes they just look but at me like, what? We're talking work-life balance here? We're talking I should be spending more time with my family but, and what do I value? And they look at me like I'm crazy, Lance. <laughs> but misinformation is actually countered at the individual level. It's with mindfulness and it, it, it's not special tradecraft techniques. It's right. non-reactivity training. It's, it's uh, you know, like keeping your cool in situations, mm-hmm. not reacting to every headline. Reflexive control theory, which is some, a tradecraft that was dubbed by the Russians. It's been everywhere. Headlines are the concept of it, where it impacts your decision making. It's there to disrupt it, Mm -hmm. but it's designed by reflex. Headlines are a reflexive thing and it controls you. Mm -hmm. So when you think about um, that, like instilling non-reactivity, instilling, whether it's subtle or just by choice, they can go to it or not. Having the option is more of a a thing there. Like at our company, we try not to work past 5 p.m., Right. You know, um, we and, and, you know, we have a little different boundaries because they're my friends. But like, I'm like, hey, you're getting sleep, you know, things like that. Make sure, you know, no, I, I do um, the same. you know, but but it's it's just called leadership. Right. <laughs> um, but but leadership cannot you can't take out the EQ. You can't take out the person out of right. the work job. Right. That's not an assembly right, line because here. we're not we're machines. All working. We are humans. It's exactly. We are humans. Yeah. And, and the the. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've had years ago, I, I would spot the person cr- secretly crying in the back of the room in their job. And I would be like, hey, you want to go for a walk? Right. You know, and when it, maybe their exec, their boss hasn't walked in that room for like a week or two because they're in a sim operation and, you know, like the, the sim systems and they're just whatever. So I would purposely realize that that was going on. I wouldn't criticize the boss. I would just go in there every day and make them laugh, you know, and like go for walks with a couple of them and this and that. Right. That can change the difference between someone staying there, staying happy. You know, and then I started adding like a training session to bridge our groups and stuff together. They started learning new things, right? You know, it's operant conditioning, right? If you have too much negative on one balance of it, you're going to start looking for something outward, which could be misinformation, could be something else like this. Mm-hmm. But if you're happy at work through things and projects and, and mind, and it doesn't have to be like sitting there mindfully. I just meant like right. the mindful uh concept of each other, the consideration, the, you know, looking out for each other, building a culture mm-hmm. to look out for each other. So that also, if you had to report like, Hey, someone's having a bad day, kind of a little concerned with them. Yeah. That's not an uncomfortable feeling. And that both sides won't feel like that. It's just more like, Hey, your work is here for you just as much as your home life is. You know, like we borrow the majority of your time over your family anyway. So right. like, you know, so I, as much as we want to come with a technological solution, which obviously we've discussed, right. It's also, you can't, just like the human aspect of the data science, we can't overfit it. We have to balance it. And that right. balancing is is producing good content, good yes. good belief in systems and things like that. And and people having a way to express. I mean, you get a little personal, but uh, last job I had, the, the, the I guess they call it people ops now, but my, I, my son passed away and, and I was able to like just cry in a room when I needed to, when I came back to work with, yeah. uh, you know, the person at people ops, right. Yeah. As I needed, like, as I was going through things or I could go meditate or sit by myself for a little mm-hmm. bit, even if it took a little bit of time, because, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I've even had a panic attack in front of my uh, team because of that situation and the support I got, you know, uh, a product manager just sitting with me for like two hours. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like, and that's the, that's the, the thing is that we need to, to breed uh, decent human behavior so that we continue with like that, that way it's just low hanging fruit. We'll always right. get a crazy at the office once in a while. You, you do, right. You, you do. They're usually easy to spot if you have a lot of uh, a culture of decent behavior though. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, cause even the silent types that we all worry about and say, Oh, he's so quiet and da da da. 
you start inviting them, they change, you know what yeah. I mean? Things like that. Right. So, so as much as I want to be like, this is a tech talk, it's also very much, you, you got to put the work in on the other side of it so that you can uh, do that. And I wish there were a little more standards in work environments so that it would just be like, Hey, we're all aligned. Nothing has to be too mm -hmm. left or right. It doesn't have to go all the crazies, just standard human decency while yeah. uh, supporting them that way. If they feel like, Hey, we do monitor stuff, but we don't watch it. Things like that. They're not going to feel just as much at ease because they don't feel like they're going to have to hide anything. Cause it's a transparent, right. culturally effective company. So right. if that, if that makes sense, I, I think that is the answer I was searching for or a huge part of it. And I, my mind, you know, once again, the algorithms were sending me tech, Nicole. It's like, what does a government mm -hmm. manager do? But on that, I think we do have to wrap. I know we're at time. I, Rachel, I, I could go five more hours. I know. Maybe I know. more, actually. Yes. Ooh. All day long. Yeah. I'm enjoying this, though. This is Let's, so much fun. I mean, this is why we do the podcast. This has been a great discussion. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. This is, you guys have been awesome. And this is, yeah, this has been fun. So, well, thank so, you yes. for joining us. Rachel, yeah. what do we do if we uh, love the podcast? Well, that, that we say to subscribe, smash that subscription button and get a fresh <laughs> episode delivered to your inbox every single week on Tuesday. Awesome. With that, yeah. Rachel, Lance, thank you so much. Until next week, take care. That's right. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 